Well, hey, if you got a Bible, turn to the Revelation chapter 12. This is our uh, Christmas Eve message. It's apocalyptic in nature, or actually it's been called the, the cosmic Christmas, or, or maybe Christmas from 20,000 feet. It's kind of a more of a macro view uh, than a micro view of Christmas. And so uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now the great sign appeared in heaven, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that there she should, there they should feed her there 1,260 days. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Christmas. Lord, for the coming of our great God and our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became like us. Lord, offering us that we might become like you. Lord, not that we have anything to offer you, but that through Christ Jesus, Lord, we can be redeemed and be accepted as righteous and accepted as your children. So, Lord Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. I pray that as we look at your word this, morning, this afternoon, Lord, that it would truly... Um, Lord, that it would just change our hearts, Lord, on a, on a very personal, spiritual level, Lord. The words that you speak to us, truly, they are spirit and they are life. And so, Lord, be our unseen guest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, not a likely passage for, um, you know, for Christmas time. We, we, uh, we think of uh, Christmas, you know, I think we, we kind of made it too nice. Christmas, right? It's all glittery and lovely and joy and peace. And that's, that's true. It is, but it was, it was, it was, it's quite a story, isn't it? In fact, I got a three-point message for you this morning. The first point is that Christmas is a miracle, right? The second point is it's a rough or it's a really hard story when you really look at it. Thirdly, it's God's gift to you and me. It's God's gift to humanity, the Christmas story. And, and you know, we, we always uh, think of those verses, you know, uh, the, those Christmas verses, you know, like uh, uh, Isaiah chapter six or nine, excuse me, verse six, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his, his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And... And, and we know that's Jesus. And then, 
And then the, the prophecy of, of him coming uh, there in Bethlehem in Micah 5.2 in the Old Testament. But, oh, you, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one, who to, to, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. The fact that Jesus... Is, is God come to earth? You know, our, our, our friends here in southeast Idaho got that backwards. They believe that man became a God. No, God humbled himself and became a man like us. And then, of course, the, the famous one there in Isaiah chapter 7, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us really confirming um, God's plan to us, that God would become like us. And so that in itself, a virgin conceiving, that's a miracle. And this whole Christmas thing, is, it's miraculous. All the Old Testament prophecies that, that were fulfilled by Jesus, uh, it's, it's, it's an impossibility, it's a miracle. Um, when you put the numbers to it, I'm going to do some cipher in here. In a book, in a book uh, written by a guy named Peter Stoner, it's called uh, Science Speaks. And he did a, he's the one that did the, um, the study on the probability of one man fulfilling all those prophecies. There's right at 300 prophecies of Jesus. And he, he put the numbers to it, um, what, what the odds of one man fulfilling just eight, just eight of the prophecies of Jesus. One man, one man fulfilling being born in Bethlehem, being born of a virgin, right, uh, going to a cross. And the odds that he came back with was fascinating. It was one to the 28th power. Now, I don't know if there's any mathematicians in here, but I'm not one. I don't even know what that number is. Uh, how would you say that number? Right. So you got, a, you got a one with 28 zeros behind it. How do you say that number? Well, I looked it up. Right, because we got millions then you got billions. Then you got trillions. America seems to like trillions for some reason. Actually, a, a guy on my board just told me yesterday, he says, you realize that the annual interest that we pay on debt in America is $1 trillion. Pretty incredible. Well, after that, I'm kind of lost. Well, after trillion is quadrillion. Quadrillion. And then there's um, quintillion. <laughs> and then this one, it almost sounds obscene, sextillion. <laughs> the odds of one man fulfilling eight of these prophecies is one in ten sextillions. That is a mathematical impossibility. Right? It ain't going to happen. In fact, in fact, 
you would have better odds of being struck by lightning, becoming president, and having your house hit with a meteorite all in the same year. That's some pretty good odds, right? Well, how the story goes, this many, uh, this one to the 28th, would be like taking the state of Texas, right? Texas is big. We got any Texans in? Any Texan? Hey, we got a Texan. <laughs> you heard about the Texan in the. You heard about the Texan and the German that was talking about their spreads, right? The Texan said, I can get in my pickup truck and I can drive from sunup to sunset and never leave my property. That's how big my spread is. And the German looked at him and said, yeah, I used to have a truck like that too. But it would be like taking the state of Texas, covering it two foot deep in silver dollars, painting one of those silver dollars reds, reds, red, painting one of those silver dollars red and blindfolding somebody, have him walk out and the first coin he reached down and grabs is the red one that he painted red. That's the odds. That's impossible. Have you been to Texas? You can drive from east or west to east and all day, sun up to sunset. And uh, it's a miracle. Jesus Christ is a miracle. And if you're saved, you're a miracle. Because he shouldn't have saved us, but he chose to come and do this thing that we call Christmas, become a man like us. It's, it's a rough, it's a hard narrative, right? Verses one says, now the great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the, the moon under her feet and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Some think this is Mary. Our Catholic friends would do that. But Bible theologians and, and people who have studied these things tell us, no, this isn't Mary. You go back to first mention. Well, where is this first mentioned in the Bible? It's mentioned in Genesis chapter 37. You guys know Joseph when he had a dream. He had this dream. And this is what he dreamed. When well, you remember the first dream was his sheaves. He had these, he says, told his brothers, hey, we's all out, we's all out put, gathering grain and putting them in the sheaves. And all of a sudden, all your sheaves bowed down and worship my sheave. How do you think that went over, little brother? Right? It's amazing they didn't draw and corner him right then and there. Well, then he has another dream. Not only did he tell his brothers, but he told his mom and his dad. And he says, he, still he had another dream. And he told his brothers and said, look, I have a dreamed another dream. This time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envy him. But his father kept this matter in his heart. And he should have. Because it was a picture of their history. In fact, they did bow down before Joseph because God took him to Egypt in a pretty rough way and put him at the highest place next to Pharaoh. And these stars and the sun and the moon was all of Israel, right? It was Jacob and his wife and his sons. And this is Israel. And many believe this woman is Israel. 
And that would fit because Mary was an Israeli, right? So from a broad view, this woman who was clothed and getting ready to have this baby was Israel. She's referred to as a woman throughout scripture, sometimes a harlot. And so Jesus truly came through Israel. He came to us that way. And it was hard. Our salvation is free, you guys, but it's not cheap, right? Now, God doesn't always tell you the whole story when he asks you to do something. Remember, so we, last time we talked about Mary, and Gabriel shows up and tells her, hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of the Most High, right? He's going to be way cool. He's going to be the son of God. And Mary accepted it. She says, as, it is, as you have said, so it be unto me. And in fact, she, she embraced that. But the Lord doesn't always tell us all the details that go along with that. And God rarely does for you and me. He doesn't always tell us what it's going to look like, what you might have to go through. Because I've said it myself. I've heard others say it over and over again. Maybe even Jesus' mom, Mary, would have said it. If I would have known this I would not have done that or agreed to that. Because no doubt, as the baby was sitting on her lap, she's committed now, right? As the baby was sitting on her lap, Simeon said those words to her, and a sword will pierce your soul. That when, when Jesus went to the cross, no doubt, and his mother had to watch that. That was, that was pretty rough. A sword will pierce your soul. Now, there in verse 1 where it says a great sign, a lot of times it say a sign, and, and when it t- gets to the beast, it just talks about a sign. But this is a great sign. Uh, it means large. It means in the widest sense that this sign of this woman birthing this child was truly Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's called, you ready? You might want to write this down. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. <laughs> this makes me sound smart. Took me a while to not get my tongue tied. The Proto-Evangelium. And it was that whole Dialogue between God and, and Satan and the woman when, when Satan deceived Eve, right? And it says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. You guys remember Flip Wilson, Geraldine? The devil made me do it. How many remember that? Some of you. Okay, here's some old people in here. Yeah. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, that means hostility, between you and the woman 
and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus is the seed of the woman, right? That word enmity means personal hostility and hatred. And so this is the first mention here in Genesis, if you go clear back to the gospel, that, that God would send the, this, this remedy that could, could overcome this dragon that we see here in the book of the Revelation. So Israel, God brought our Savior to us through the nation of Israel, through a young maid, Israeli woman named Mary, the Savior of mankind, came from Israel. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4, 22, salvation is of the Jews. That's why we can be saved. It's because of these, the, this Jewish people. And it, isn't it amazing, the hatred that we're seeing? all across the world for the Jewish people? Who's doing this? Is it just man's wicked heart? Depends on whose seed you are. You the seed of the woman or are you the seed of the serpent? Anyone who's the seed of the serpent hates the Jews because the spirit that hates the Jews just simply because of their ethnicity is antichrist. It's demonic. And you see so many people doing it, and I think a lot of them are deceived. They don't know. Maybe they're just looking for something to hate. I don't know. Um, but it seems to be, to be growing. But you just have to know where it comes from because Satan hates everything about the Christmas story. Everything about it. He hates it. He hates the woman. He hates the child. He hates the nation of Israel. And that's why anti-Semitism is so great. Why? Because it was God's plan. God used the Jewish nation. God used the nation of Israel to bring us the, the law and the, 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 the prophets and the foretelling of, of future events and the, and the Messiah. So everything that God loves, Satan hates, including you. God loves you. Now, maybe today you don't love God. But I just want you to know, he loves you. He has a plan for your life. So everything God loves, Satan hates. You, me, Jesus, Israel, Jerusalem, Zion. You hear Zion a lot, don't you? <laughs> you see it, you see it in, in, the, in the headlines quite a bit. Zion seems to be synonymous with Jerusalem. And uh, I was reading through the book of Zechariah this week. It was in our reading. And uh, this, this verse in, in uh, chapter 8 says, Thus the Lord, thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. So truly, this is all things that God loves and God is doing. And it's pretty, been pretty fascinating how quick the Israelis has stomped all the stuffing out of the Hamas. Pretty fascinating. Hezbollah's kind of getting theirs at the same time. Because God 
He loves these people. They're the apple of his eye. Notice we we haven't seen too many rubble piles in Israel. Boy, there is a bucket load in Gaza. (laughs) That's all it is. There's a big old pile of concrete gravel. The fiery red dragon trying to stop the first Christmas. Right? It, it didn't take him long. The color of, uh, of Christmas is red. Look at some of you. See a hat. See some shirts. Got red on. Right? That's the color of Christmas. Uh, not because Santa Claus had a red fuzzy suit, but the color of Christmas is symbolic of the blood that was shed for us. That's why Jesus was born, right? Jesus was born to die and go to the real Christmas tree, the cross, that the blood poured down. Her seed, it bruised his heel, but it crushed, it crushed the head of the dragon. So you and I have to determine in our hearts, and, and I'm almost convinced that this is a daily thing. That determine in your hearts whose seed you're going to be, who you're following, right? Are you a follower of Jesus or are you a follower of Satan? The Bible is pretty clear that you're one or the other, right? There's no, there's no middle ground. So many people want to claim middle ground. They want to claim, well, I just haven't made my mind up yet. Yes, you have. If you haven't made your mind up, your mind's made up. Now, some might be in that place of counting the costs, which is good. Jesus said, count the costs, right? Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Are you sure you want to follow him? He says, count the costs. But while you're counting the costs, you are opposed to him, right? You're opposed to Christ. It's all or nothing. And so following uh, the Lord Jesus is totally against this fiery red dragon. Notice he had 10, uh, excuse me, seven heads and 10 horns. And we know this are, these are kings and this is apocalyptic in this, uh, it's end times type stuff. We're going through the book of Daniel and the exact same picture, the exact same beast is there with seven heads and 10 horns that are, that are kingdoms and kings and people of authority. A horn is always a picture of authority in the scriptures. And many have uh, surmised over the years, what are the 10 horns? The, n- most everybody believes it's going to be 10 nations, Right? Uh, they thought when the European Union came together that that was going to be that was going to be these ten nations. Some think now that because of the financial situation in the world, there may be districts, there may be different financial districts. There may be even up to ten of those. Last night I got a text saying, "Hey, they, Lloyd Austin, the Debt Secretary of Defense, they just formed a ten-nation coalition, and they called it. Check this out." They call it Operation Prosperity Guardian. Operation Prosperity Guardian. And uh, you can look it up. It's kind of, kind of fascinating. Um, but listen, this is the world talking about the world system. Right? This is actually 
the world system. This is the seed of Satan that it's talking about here. The fiery red dragon with the, the ten horns and the, and the seven heads and these people in powerful positions that Jesus, when he comes, he's going to deal with them. <laughs> Very severely, by the way. I wouldn't want to be one of those who, who are opposed to him. And so it started really quick. Right after Jesus was born. You remember when the Magi came and they talked to Herod and Herod, Herod talked to the priests and said, hey, where's the, where's the Messiah to be born? And, oh, he's going to be, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So what's he do? He goes and he slaughters all the little boys, two years old and younger. The red dragon breathing out death towards the Messiah. So it's a rough story. It's not all giddy and glory. It's a good story. Because you and I are the beneficiaries of what he did. Which brings me to my last point, which it's a gift. It's God's gift to us. Christmas. You know, you never know the value of a gift and, and unless you know what it costs somebody. The value of a gift. When you know what it costs somebody. The Bible calls it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, the, the propitiation. Or it actually means an offering to appease, to satisfy an angry, offended party. That's what Jesus did in coming for us. It's only used in twice, and both times it's, it's um, a Christ's atoning blood that appeases God's wrath. Both times that it's used. He paid the price for us. As the angel had said in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. This is God's peace offering. He wants to be at peace with you and I. And all we have to do is embrace it and accept it. You know, a gift's not a gift at all unless you receive it. You can wrap something up and hand it to somebody and say, here. If they go, no, don't want it. It's not a gift for them. It's not theirs. But when you take it, it's yours. Pretty simple. Jesus is, he didn't come to bring world peace. He came to bring peace to the human heart. The world peace is coming later, which you and I are beneficiaries of, Right? The Bible says we rule and we reign with Christ. Think about it, right? When you read through Isaiah and you read about the, the millennial reign of Christ and what's that, what that's going to be like, that we're, we're, where there's going to be peace, that a child will die being 100 years old, the Bible says. Many believe that death will be a rare thing, that the, the lion will lay down with a calf, right? And the lion and the bear will eat straw like an ox, you can go pet him on the head. Oh, nice little bear. And he won't eat you. The child will, will play over the den of a viper, the Bible tells us. But you only get to experience that. I'm convinced that this is the fulfilling of Jeremiah 17, 9, right? Well, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. No, that's, that's the wrong one. But it's in Jeremiah somewhere. I think that's a desperately wicked heart one. 
I always get hung up on that one. But he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to, to give you a future and a hope. There's no really guarantee that that's going to happen here, but it is going to happen there, right? It's going to happen in the, in the millennial when Jesus comes and he, and he sets up his throne. But only those who have received this gift, whose names have been jotted down in the book of life, will get to experience it. Are you there? Do you know that your name's written in the book of life? That's pretty exciting. Could you imagine roll call? Lord's flipping through. I couldn't imagine getting to the, the bees, Scotty Brown. Oh, there's a blot. Because the Bible says that some people's names blotted out of the book of life. Right? So that kind of suggests that Maybe there's a place for every single person's name. And if your name's not there, it's because it's been blotted out. And whose fault is that? It would be ours. Because he's given us this free will. And sometimes I ask, why? Why do I have this free will? Because I don't choose very wisely sometimes. You know, I'm like the dude on the, was that Raiders of the Lost Ark when the one guy said, well, he chose, he did not choose wisely. I don't choose wisely sometimes. I pray that you've received this gift. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This Christmas season, I pray that you would be overwhelmed at God's gift that he's given you. Because he shares a contrast in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. We've all sinned. We all deserve this death that Jesus came to die for us. The God-man. And he tells us in Romans 5, in verse 17, says, For if by the one man's sin, offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You have to accept the gift. Belief. I did a funeral here last week. I love sharing that scripture in John chapter 29, right? Because people always want to know, especially at a funeral, did they do enough? Have I done enough to be accepted by God? Have, you know, and I always tell them, I said, you can never do enough. You can't do enough. I can't do enough, right? My, my sin always outweighs my good. Always. You know, people, people think that that's how God judges, that would be like living your life, living really good till up to you're about 65, and then you go on a, a bender, and you end up killing somebody, and they throw you in prison. And your argument, well, I did good for 65 years. It doesn't matter. This is what you got to pay for. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is the work of God. If you want to know, have you done enough? John 9, 26. Let me try that again. John 6, 29. 
John 6, 29, right? This is the work of God, that you believe in the one that the Father has sent. That's the work of God. You put all your weight, all your trust, all your hope into what Jesus did, not what you've done or haven't done. But if you haven't given yourself totally to him, then you're out. Matthew tells us that when the angel spoke to Joseph, he told him. He told him. He didn't tell Mary this, but he told Joseph this. He says, don't you be afraid to take Mary as your wife, right? For she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Mary didn't hear that, but Joseph did. You're going to call his name Jesus because Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. It's going to be salvation for the whole world. He will save his people from their sins. First John tells us it was not just for us that Christ died and propitiated our sins. It was for the whole world. The whole world. Do you have eternal life? If you don't, do you want it? If you know that you have eternal life, God bless you. Your Christmas is going to be merry and bright. If you don't, why don't you choose that today? Why don't you choose to believe in the one that the Father has sent? Because just as it, he takes care of this woman here in in. Uh, Verse six, where it says that he, and then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. That's three and a half years that God's going to take care of Israel. He loves these people. He loves you and me. He offers a, 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 to be a refuge to us. All we have to do is believe. And so I want to close today just by giving you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you haven't been as close to the Lord um, this last little bit as you know that you should be. And this prayer is for you as well. So would you pray with me? Father, we, we come before you on this Christmas Eve, Lord, thanking you for the incredible price that was paid for us. This incredible gift, Lord, that was not cheap, it was hard. It cost you everything. And it was miraculous. And Lord, you say that if we believe, Lord, that you'll meet us there, that you'll, you'll give us everlasting life. Lord, that it's a, it's a free gift to us from you. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone right now that has never taken the opportunity to just ask you and pray that simple sinner's prayer. And maybe right now you need to pray that prayer. And if that's you this afternoon, I just want to encourage you. Just pray these words. It's a simple prayer. But when it's heartfelt, when it's genuine and sincere, when you place all of your weight upon what Christ did for you, there's a freedom 
that comes. There's a lifting of guilt and shame. There's a, there's a joy that is, can truly be a, your strength. Pray these words. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, give me new eyes to see how you see. Lead me, Lord, in your ways. I turn from my ways and I embrace yours. Give me your strength, your power. Let me be your vessel that you would live through me. I pray it in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Lord, I just pray for those who maybe prayed that in their hearts right now. Lord, that you would bring them to that place of maybe even rededication. Lord, maybe at one time, Lord, they were walking with you, but have kind of drifted, kind of done their own thing. We've all fallen into that occasionally. But Lord, you're able to keep us. You're able to complete the work that you've begun in us. And even though we've maybe kind of laid in dormant for a while, Lord, you're able to bring that life. And I pray that you do it to your people this Christmas. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's all stand. These guys are going to sing. If you need prayer, there's going to be a prayer team over here. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And uh, walk close with him.